Welcome to Welcome to the Hollowell Manor. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And we're here to talk about Season 2, Episode 8, P3H2O. 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 I mean... Doesn't even have anything to do with the club. I... I feel like... You know what you could have called us? Whoops, Mom's Dead. I, I, I don't know if that, that's a better title, but... A P3H2O. I, I'd have called this episode um, Touched by a White Lighter. Oh, you know what I'd call it? The Drowning. Oh, that would have been a good... Yeah, that's this is the episode where we find out how the girl's mother died. Yeah. It was by drowning. Thanks to a water demon. Yes. This episode was directed by John Baring, mm-hmm. who has previously directed Morality Bites. Okay. And it was written by Chris Levinson and Zach Estrin. Okay, so the thing is... Uh-huh. The thing is, I genuinely think this might be one of the best written episodes of Charmed. It's hard to tell, though, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, so we'll get into it when we get into the episode, but I think this is one of the best written episodes of Charmed, but... Dear Lord, is Shannon Doherty on not giving a shit mode this week? I don't even know what's going on. She just does not want to be there, which is weird. This could have been such a powerful episode for her. And, I mean, really, I feel like they should have made Piper the emotional linchpin. I mean, I feel like it might have made more sense, especially with what comes later in the series, if this had been Piper's episode. I mean, I get what they're going for, though, because... Prue was the one who had to step up after their mom died. She had to fill that role in the family because, bless her heart, Grams is just straight up not a good person. I No, this episode would have been better if Piper was the heart of it. It would have been better thematically. And also, Holly Marie Combs would have knocked it out of the park. Yeah, I mean, for better or for worse, Charmed is Holly Marie Combs' baby. Like, she is to this day super invested and charmed also i think it's clear that of all of the girls all four girls Mm. including Paige, who we'll get to later Mm. i think holly marie combs is the best uh, actress oh yeah yeah i thought you were gonna say she's the most committed which we know because she's the only one who showed up to film the series finale oh but yeah Holly, holly marie combs is the strongest actress and I think that's because she's willing to kind of lean into the scripts. She can sort of take things at face value. I feel like she understands that even when things are ridiculous, you know. She doesn't have this detached I'm above it thing that Shannon Doherty kind of has in this episode. Yeah, like Shannon Doherty feels like she's there for the paycheck. She feels like, okay, I'm slogging it on Charmed. Like... And Shannon Doherty, I mean, I know you were more popular then, but you were not at the height of your powers at this point. You, I feel like Charmed wasn't exactly your last chance. You had a few more branches. Uh, Actually, I, I think I would say that this is Shannon Doherty at the height of her powers. Expand on that. So Shannon Doherty coming off of Beverly Hills 90210, where she was... Fired. Ish. For presumably being difficult to work with. Mm. And 
then gets another starring role in a different show and has not yet been let go from this show. I would say height of her powers, because after she's let go from this show, I mean, she continues to work, but she's not given this kind of vehicle again. Yeah, I mean, the reason I say that I I felt like 90210 was kind of the height of Shannon Doherty's powers. I mean, did she... Did she ever have movie roles? Was she ever a movie actress? She's in Heathers. She is in Heathers. That that is right. But like nine hundred two one zero was her her big ticket, and just getting off that, I feel like Charmed was her last chance to stay in the TV A list. Mm. And uh, you don't want to mess with Alyssa Milano. Alyssa Milano had more star power at this point. Yeah, surprisingly, she yeah. I mean, she and Holly, Holly Marie Combs were both child actors, which I don't think Shannon Doherty was. That's, yeah, no, that's accurate. They really, I think they really did bond over that on the set. Yeah. So after she leaves this, Shannon Doherty does a reality TV show where she dumps people. Oh, God. I knew she was on a prank show. Was the prank show after that? I don't know about the prank show. All I remember is she was on a show where she would, like, dump your boyfriend for you. Like, girls would reach out to her and then she would dump the boyfriend. Or it might have been the other way around. I, she, she might have also dumped girls for the for the boyfriend. Oof. I'm, I'm only vaguely remembering this. I should have looked it up before, before I mentioned it. But I, I'm vaguely remembering that was a thing she did. Was it on MTV? That sounds like a real MTV or VH1-esque. Uh... Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was on MTV. Yeah. That... Should I look it up? Sure, why not? May The main thing we're kind of getting at here is that Shannon Doherty should have still been trying at this point. I mean... This is season two. We're not even into the shit seasons yet. And like, again, this is such a strong script. And I get why they feel like they needed to give it to Shannon Doherty. Because is she still the main character at this point? I think that they're... They're phasing her out for for Piper. Yes, I think that's happening. Because the big thing Prue had going for her running plot-wise in season one was, you know, Andy. The will they or won't they with Andy. And that's that's out the window. Now she is effing Jack. Oh, oh, you meant she has Jack. Yes. I, okay. <laughs> the character, Jack Sheridan. I thought you meant. Jack shit. Yes. Tomato, tomato. The show was called Breaking Up with Shannon Doherty. God. Although, honestly, honestly. Do you want to see if there are some episodes on YouTube or something? Well, okay, yes, I do. We should definitely see if we can find some episodes to watch. But also, I feel like I personally would be really good at that. You know, like, women come to her and they're like, hey, I think my boyfriend's cheating on me. Basically, women come to him with their, like, Ada or R slash relationship stories and she's like, dump him. You know what? Let's get him on a conference call. I'm going to dump him for you. Knock, knock. Who's there? Not you anymore. Exactly. All right. We should probably. It was on, oh. Sorry. It was on oxygen. <laughs> Dear Lord. I just, the, the reason I think she was on a prank show was because there was a mad TV sketch about her running a prank show. And, uh. 
I just remember her signing off on the fake, you know, on the that TV sketch. It wasn't her. Right, right. But I'm Shannon Doherty, and I'll be back next week on a smaller network with an even smaller left eye. So, on this episode... So, Prue is supposed to be at work, but instead of being at work, she's wearing her uh, no-makeup makeup and sitting at the edge of a dock. I thought you were going to say she's wearing her work halter top. Yes. Her red-knit work halter top. <laughs> And staring off the edge of a dock, and then she has a flashback, which we know is a flashback because it's in black and white. It's vaguely sepia tone. (laughs) And we see her mom getting zipped into a body bag while a cop who looks suspiciously like Andy to the degree where I was like, it's not Andy, is it? I mean, it's not, but you're right. Yeah, he does. That's a disturbing implication they're making there. Yeah. So a cop that looks a lot like Andy's like, what are you guys doing? Don't let her see her dead mom's dead deceased corpse for crying out loud. And he picks her up and he puts her at the other end of the dock and then he just kind of keeps walking. Yeah, he's like, my job here is done. Like she can still really obviously see the corpse. Uh, She's just a little further away from it now. Yeah, I, uh... I want to point out that this this child actress is matching Shannon Doherty's lack of effect in the rest of the episode. Good casting. She's just got, like, a blank face. Like, oh no, this Ma- is a tragedy. Mommy, no. I will be forever scarred. Like, this is the kind of thing that should have really affected me. I, I, I'm such a sucker for crying at TV shows. This episode should break me. But instead I'm just like... Eh. I guess someone decided not to come to work today. So we cut from crying child Prue to emotionless, well, crying child Prue to emotionless regular Prue who's just standing, staring off in the dock when her cell phone goes off and it's Piper. Piper's like, where are you? And Prue's like, uh, stuck in traffic. Can't you hear all this traffic I'm in? Then Dan calls on the other line and Prue's like, you know, he lives right next door. He doesn't have to call all the time. Hmm. Hmm. Mind your business, Prue. You should be welcome for, you know, the distraction, so you don't have to explain why there's no traffic noises and why it's probably going to take you a pretty long time to get home. Oh, I guess traffic. But Yeah. So Prue starts walking down the dock slowly, and we get a kind of... I, I, do, I do like a lot of the cinematography in this. This episode is well-directed and well-written. It's just no one, no one came to act today. We get kind of this pull away from her the camera kind of swirls around her and then pulls back it's a it's a really good shot the camera is doing all of the work of showing us that shannon doherty is kind of in a trance because you know she's not (laughs) but she's distracted by a police officer in a canoe just randomly in the lake and then his canoe gets kind of sucked in by water we see like a bubbling and he gets pulled into the lake and Prue tries to run out to to help him. I mean, by run out, I mean run along the edge of the lake. She's clearly too scared to go out to the lake. Gosh, if only she had some sort of superpower where she could move stuff with her mind. Wow. Anyway, so then an older man grabs a hold of her shoulders and is like, No, you can't. It's too late. It's too late for him. And Prue, you know, looks back out on the lake and there's some bubbles coming up. And she's like, oh, oof. Yep, it's too late for him. Charmed One's track record is just going strong. He was not blonde. 
Actually, I don't think... Wait, it... was he? I don't... No, no, I, I don't think he was. Oh, okay. In fact, I think uh, I think this episode is pretty blonde woman free, maybe. Wait. Wait. Okay, let's let's wait until we see what color the lake director's hair is. Because she might be a blonde. Yeah, I think she is. We'll have to see. So, after an honestly pretty catchy pop song, I, I think this might be, uh, I think they might have shelled out for whatever the original was. Yeah, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a stand-in. I think we got the original in our, on our Google Play downloaded episode. I could see hearing this, uh, you know, in between Delilah's when they're driving home at, you know, night in high school or whatever. Sure, sure. Did you have Delilah? Was she like a, was she like a nationwide thing or? No. Or I don't, I, I don't remember. She, she's the radio advice lady who came on kind of later at night uh, on a pop station, I think. Well, I didn't have her, but I don't know if that's because of the region or because I'm just a little older than you. She might have just been a few years after I was driving around. It's possible. I, although I, I feel like she was one of those people who was around for a while, but I, I don't know. Uh, we might have just been in different regions. Yeah, it could have been that. Her, her advice was always terrible because people would be like, people would call in and they'd have like these disaster relationships and she'd always try to get the couple to stay together because love's the strongest thing in the universe or whatever. And it's like, I mean, I guess people calling into late night radio DJs on pop stations probably aren't exactly uh, super receptive to complicated life advice, but... I, um... I have lots of opinions about advice columns, as you know. I, I I have quite an interest in them. I honestly can't wait until we get to ask Phoebe so that we can have an entire episode where we talk about advice columns. Yeah. So we come back from the credits with Piper being on the phone with Dan, and nobody liked Dan, right? Like, Dan was not a popular love interest. Yeah, I think people just felt like he was getting in the way of Leo. Yeah, I'm, I wasn't super involved in the Charmed fandom i uh god i think i might have been in a couple of uh charmed uh role play groups do you remember sure you remember gaia online yes i do yeah i mean although those all of those like died immediately i think the longest one i was ever in ran for about 10 days it wasn't charmed it was x-men but all those groups die died so quickly yeah but you think in the fandom... I feel like Dan wasn't a popular character. Yeah, I mean... I can't say for sure. I'm sure we could probably go back and look, but... Yeah. Like, he doesn't have magical powers. I mean, he's handsome, but there's not really anything to him. There's at least... There's pathos with Leo and Piper. Yeah, well, Dan is the same generically handsome that all guys in the late 90s were. He's nothing special. Yeah. He's... Uh, He's Scott Hope. Yes, yes, from Buffy. Yeah, where there's nothing wrong with him. It's just, you know the show, he, he's the Apollo to pull from Friends. Like, he's basically just there so that a triangle has a third side. Yeah, yeah. Which is ridiculous because all you want to do is put up just a, a roadblock to your main couple just to give you a few more stories. But Piper and Leo already have quite a few pretty intensive roadblocks ahead of them so as this episode will explore this this episode's actually really important lore wise i 
This episode should be so much better. So Prue comes in. The girls are eating breakfast, so I guess everything else we saw happened in the early morning? So did Prue just not go to work today, or... Well, what... Where... Where was she coming back from that she stopped at the lake? It's very unclear to me. Hmm. But anyway, she tells her sisters that she saw a guy drown, and Piper's like, on the freeway? <laughs> Which... Good, good, Piper. Solid, solid. And then she tells them, no, it turns out I go all the time to the lake where mom died, and I just stand there, and I watch the lake for a while, and uh, today I saw someone drown there. And... Yeah, yeah, yeah. She she she, she, uh, she talks about how she was gonna save him, but then some old guy stopped her, and the old guy probably summoned the demon, and they're gonna have to look in the book of shadows to see, you know, who the old guy is and what his deal is with the water monster. And it's like, what an odd set of conclusions to jump to. Well, also, the Book of Shadows is apparently in Prue's room for some reason. No, Prue's getting stuff together because she's going to go back. Ah. And she's what going. What stuff is she getting together? I know it has to be so close, but I, I'm. I. The important fact here is that the lake is at this camp, this summer camp, Camp Skylark, that the girls used to go to. That's why they were at the lake in the first place mm. when their mom died. And the summer camp is opening up, so Prue has to get there and stop the summer camp from opening so that, you know, the lake monster doesn't eat all the kids. Yes. This is basically a Goosebumps story. Yeah. Although, I seriously doubt that camp's going to open now that that cop drowned. I mean, that's part of that's part of the, the reason the lake monster is killing people investigating the lake is to stop the camp from opening. Although, seriously, just don't kill people for like a couple weeks and then more people will come. Wait, what? Like, the reason the lake monster kills the cop and then later the woman is to stop the uh, people from stopping the camp from opening. Right. But if the lake monster didn't kill those people, then the camp would have just opened. Like. I I think the lake monster just has impulse control issues. Fair. It is is a lake monster. Yeah, yeah. And also, can we talk about how nebulous what this lake monster is is yeah yeah i do sort of like that it's it's a demon but it's not like a demon like the demons we've seen that like look like people and have plans and stuff it seems more like just kind of a monster like a force of nature yeah like a beast it's just a magical beast and i like that i feel like charm didn't do that that often i i do like that what i don't like is that Sometimes it possesses people, and sometimes it takes the form of a giant CGI water monster. Yeah, the possession thing is stupid. They should have just stuck with it being a CGI water monster that drowns people. It really feels like they just couldn't afford to animate every time they wanted the monster. Yeah, that the, the effect was probably pretty expensive. Yeah. But before Prue can go back to the lake and stop the monster from killing any more people... She has to at least make a token appearance at work. So I guess she stops in on the lake on her way to work. So. And then she went back to the house to get dressed and go to work before going back to the lake. God, she's lucky she's the only competent employee Bucklands has. Okay, wait, can we talk about that, though? Because this makes me so angry. Mm -hmm. Like, Jack, 
sleeping. Jack is in her office, and Jack is all like, hey, I'm sharing an office with you now, and also I'm this annoying guy who's your co-worker now, and you just have to deal, and I'm wearing shorts to the office, and you have no standing to say anything about that because you're wearing a knit halter top. Yes, Jack is awful, but this scene is kind of great when, you know, he's wearing a suit top and then, you know, he puts his legs on the table and he's wearing shorts and Prue's like, isn't that a little inappropriate for work? And he's like, you're wearing a knit midriff bearing, like, halter top. Really? Honestly, honestly, Jack is, is decades ahead of the game he's wearing the zoom uniform yeah where you just wear the where you just dress the top half (laughs) but prue has kept this place aloft she was the only employee who wasn't a demon or a bankruptcy attorney for a while like a year now and now all of a sudden people are like oh prue I guess all that uh, time going to the lake is affecting her uh, job performance. Jack is trying to close a deal that she started, and she's like, hey, don't think that you can take the credit for it just because you're doing all of the work now because I need to go to a lake. And Jack's like, I mean, I think I deserve some of the credit because I am doing a lot of this work while you're at a lake. And she's like, fuck you, Jack. And then he falls out of a chair. I mean, I do hate Jack. Yeah, he's a smarmy dickhole, but also Prue is... I guess he is doing the job. (laughs) So at the summer camp, Piper and Phoebe have gone ahead and, up spoke too soon. The camp director is, in fact, a blonde woman. Yes. And she's talking about how she was so excited to open up the camp again and how Phoebe and Piper and Prue went there when they were kids and she misses, you know, having kids around. And, you know, it's too bad that that guy died. Now she can't reopen the, uh, like... She also tells them not to worry about the creepy old man who wanders around talking about lake monsters. It happens. I mean, yeah. Don't worry. He's a he's harmless. He's just you know been here for like twenty years screaming at anyone who gets near the lake. Which I mean, to be fair, a lot of people have drowned in the lake. So yeah, I mean, maybe pay a little more attention to him. I I was thinking of him as being kind of the harbinger in a horror movie. That's you know down at the the base of the mountain telling you not to go into the mansion at the top of the mountain because a vampire lives there and will eat you yeah 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 it's probably cheaper than putting up a sign just having him (laughs) okay so let's talk about prue's day a little more because prue shows up at the camp now Mm -hmm. so why did she go into work in the first place wait, wait prue shows up and she's wearing a different outfit she's wearing a different colored midriff bearing halter top so here's what prue did she woke up drove out to the lake came back home put on a knit sweater over her knit halter top yes yeah i mean that's basically like a jacket though but yeah yeah i mean it was open you could... she went into work went back home to change and then back out to the lake She drives a she drives a gas guzzler too. Like this can't have been an inexpensive series of trips. This is one of those things that you don't think about if you're not talking about an episode scene by scene. Like it doesn't really bother you normally. Yeah. But talking about it scene by scene, you're like, what what is Prue doing? By the way, all this is like before breakfast too. Yeah, because uh, the the camp lady is giving them 
breakfast foods. Well, and they were eating cereal when Prue got back from the lake. Anyway, the woman gives Prue a hug and is like, Oh my god, you look just like your dead mother! Wrong. Yeah, I know. Well, Prue's like, actually, Piper looks more like our dead mother than I do. Which... Is accurate. But also... It's a weird deflection. She was just being polite, Prue. And Phoebe's like, actually, all of us look like mom in different ways, which is not accurate. Piper looks a lot like your mom. You look kind of like your mom. And Prue looks nothing like your mom. Well, I mean, you know, my sister and I don't really look a lot alike. Mm. But we have very similar mannerisms. So when you see the two of us together, you can be like, oh, I see that you're sisters. But if you just see pictures of the two of us, it's not readily apparent so maybe prue moves the way their mother moved Hmm. and you know phoebe has her zest for life her her maybe 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 she also lived in new york briefly none of them got patty's quiet dignity that's for sure did Patty have quiet dignity? I, I think so. I think it's one of the reasons she doesn't show up all the goddamn time like other ghosts I could mention. So Jack calls Prue and is like, hey, um, I'm going to go deal with that client. You do whatever it is you're doing yeah, that's well, not at work. And Prue's like, don't you dare steal this account from me. And he's like, I'm not. I'm finishing the work because if I don't, we won't have the client anymore. I mean, I hate Jack because he's so annoying, but when I look at it from his point of view, man, Prue would really annoy me. She would be very irritating to work with, but also, I feel like I was kind of like Prue when I was in high school and I was doing group projects, where it's just like, even if I'm behind, I don't want other people helping me. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, I'm going back and forth on Jack here. I, last week he did that weird stunt with his twin brother. That's not okay. What's that about? He's awful as a love interest, but as one of Prue's co-workers, I feel a lot of sympathy for him. Okay, there. that's a good way to, to kind of narrow in on my feelings about him. Plus, don't forget, he was born with the serial killer gene. <laughs> God. God, Rufferdale's fantastic. Riverdale is a wild show. Archie is framed for murder by Mr. Lodge, goes into hiding, fights a bear, then comes out of hiding to take the SATs. Also, also Dungeons and Dragons is actual real magic. God, that show. That terrible, wonderful show. Yeah. Oh, So the girls are walking by the side of the lake and they're all discussing, you know, hey, Prue, it's pretty fucked up that you can't take a basic compliment comparing you to mom. And Prue's like, I don't want to be like mom because, you know, mom fucking ate it and I don't want to eat it. I want to live forever. Oof. Oof. Unintentional foreshadowing there. Mm. Yeah. So the director of the camp has decided that with all of the drownings happening, she's going to shut down the camp. Again. Yes, again. Or I guess not reopen it. Yeah. But then something draws her to the end of the dock. Hmm. 
Yeah. Could I it mean, possibly be her blonde hair? Yeah, right? Her she she is she is driven by her blonde hair to go to the end of the dock where there's like a creepy kind of boat rocking against the dock that she tries to secure, but before she can get it fully secured, you know, lake monster. Yep, lake monster. Which the lake monster shoots out of the water and it's like a human. It's a human form. It's it's the It's the cop. The right? cop who died, right? Okay. Yeah. Okay, honestly, there are lots of things about the lake monster I enjoy conceptually. Uh-huh. I mean, it's not stated as such, but I do like the idea that it is just water that when it takes in its victims, it kind of subsumes them. Mm-hmm. And then it uses them to get new victims. But, like, it wears out the humans it takes over. Okay. I mean, if that had been explored, that would be kind of interesting, even though it's not really. Yeah. Like, it needs... If it was like, oh, it needs people to have human cohesion, and, like, it loses it over time, and that's when it becomes, like, the CGI water monster, which is not what they say, but that would have been probably... Yeah, that would have been better. Point is, camp director is drowned now. And, I mean, it is genuinely kind of creepy. The... It's, it's a great jump scare. Yeah. Like, you see the water bubbling, but you don't expect the guy to, like, shoot out of the water and drag her down. Charmed doesn't really lean in on the horror aspects of demon fighting that much, but it's kind of... It's really interesting how this whole episode does the anti-horror thing of it's it's daylight it's in this very bright sunny cheerful looking area but it's way creepier than most of the demons they end up fighting i was actually just thinking that the way the boat is banging against the dock is definitely the kind of thing that you would normally see at nighttime in a horror movie but yeah broad daylight horror movie yeah something about it just makes it work really well yeah I think that's interesting that you brought that up. We do a sci-fi podcast about Farscape, and I feel like Farscape hits the horror buttons a lot more often than Charmed does, when you would expect a show about fighting demons to hit the horror button more often. Yeah. But... And, I mean, they're both really campy, so... Yeah. Yeah. So, the sisters go to investigate the cabin of the weird guy who, for some reason, is all worked up about all these people drowning weird right i know and they discover a picture of their mom and articles about all of the people who drowned which they assume are trophies because this guy's clearly behind everything and i'm like i mean he's clearly obsessed with the people drowning at the lake yeah like it it seems more like he was trying to stop this and these are things about how he failed like you know, when a PI has a newspaper clipping about, you know, a cop who got kicked off the force for whatever, and you know it's them and that's their backstory. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's, he's worked up about lake drownings. Of course he has articles about it. Yeah, and they're like, oh, it's so creepy as a picture of mom. Oh, well, no, that's creepy. Oh, I guess because she was one of the drowning victims. Yeah, like... I mean, I guess maybe it's creepy because we don't really see him have pictures of any of the other drowning victims. Yeah. But he, he has articles about them. like. So, Piper finds a certificate saying that he is 
the uh, New York Teacher of the Year in 1872. Meaning this guy is super old, so obviously what he must be is a demon. But I just want to just briefly mention the certificate that Piper finds. Mm Mm-hmm. Because that piece of paper is not 120 years old. Like, this this is a very fresh piece of paper that she finds. He has the, uh, the he, he sometimes leaves the lake to have City Hall print him out a new one. <laughs> I guess so. I mean, whatever. It, it was, a, it was like three seconds on the screen. I, I guess they had lots of other things they had to get done in this episode, but seriously i also do like the idea that a uh, a demon spends his free time being a teacher not only a teacher but a really good teacher right so oh uh, piper also opens a desk drawer and whoa a bundle of letters yep yep and then leo shows up and is like oh this is awkward Ooh, yeah like you guys probably shouldn't be here yeah, Leo tells them Sam was their mother's white lighter. Wah, wah. And this is all super embarrassing for him as a white lighter, because, you know. I mean, it it really doesn't reflect well on Sam, does it? Oh, well, can we talk about that? Uh, sure. Okay, so, for the rest of this episode... The sisters are really mad at Sam for failing to save their mother. Mm. And, look, he's obviously really broken up about it. You mean because he hasn't left the lake in, like, 20 years? And Leo tells them that he clipped his wings. He stopped being a white letter because he was so devastated by their mother's death. And, like, she did a dangerous job. He tried to save her and wasn't able to. This is not... I mean, given how many people you guys fail to save on a weekly basis... Right? I feel like they're being way too hard on a guy who is being plenty hard on himself about not being able to save their mom. I can also see why Leo's not hard on him. Like, Leo's like, look, it's a sad truth about being a white lighter, but a lot of the times you lose your charges. Yeah. Which... How in canon do you think the comics are? Oh my goodness. Uh, hard to say. But what, what happens in the comics that you're thinking of? Okay, because the comics reveal that Leo had a uh, dark lighter nemesis named, I want to say, Rennick, who spent like just decades stalking Leo and killing his charges. Oh, yeah, I think that's probably canon. But... I don't know. White lighters are this show's equivalent of watchers. Mm. And watchers are like, if your charge doesn't die before she's 16, you try to kill her. At 18, to be fair. The, the cruciatum. Yes, the, yes. The, yeah. Which, I mean, the watchers council's awful. Well, I mean, didn't that episode just exist for us to learn that the watchers are really the bad guys? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, the, the point of that episode is hey, maybe don't trust the patriarchy. And I think that's a very good lesson. Yeah. I mean, let's be clear. The point of the Cruciatum is basically to kill a Slayer who's becoming too willful. Yeah. Like, the Watcher's Council really only works if the Slayers have a really high turnover rate. 
So my point is, let's all lay off Sam for a minute, okay? That's my point. Yeah, he did his best. Probably. I mean. I, I think we can assume fairly that he did his best. And honestly, I feel like drowning is one of the things white lighters probably aren't able to heal. I'm sure that the show goes back on that a ton later, but that does feel like the sort of thing you can't really heal your way out of. Yeah. I hadn't really thought about it, but you can only heal, well, as you said, white lighter rules are kind of fuzzy at best, but the rule is that you can't heal damage unless it was inflicted magically so a demon that pulls you underwater i can see how that's a good way to get around you if you're a demon to get around white lighter healing Hmm. because it's not the magic that hurt them it's being underwater of course massively massively inconsistent over the course of the show right leo heals all sorts of weird crap although this episode he reveals that he can only heal what the elders allow him to heal well, I mean, that's convenient, isn't it? The reason white lighter rules are so fuzzy is because the elders said so. But basically, Leo explains the situation to them. Sam was their mom's white lighter. She died. He, you know, clipped his wings. And the girls are like, yeah, that's great. But like, fuck Sam. He let our mom die. Sam's the worst. And Leo's like, okay, just maybe think about that this was also a hard thing for him. Like, I know you guys lost your mom, but... Like, maybe don't be super hard on Sam. And they're like, fuck you, Leo. Our mom's dead. And he's like, okay, I can't have this conversation with you right now. And he orbs out. Yeah. So the director of the camp, whose name is Mrs. Johnson, by the way, starts calling for help. And so the sisters all run to the dock, but Prue won't go down to the edge of the dock because, you know, she's scared. She has a flashback to her terrible child actress self going... No, mom, mom, Yes, of course we cut back to Shannon Doherty going, Oh no, I can't. No, no, that was too much, that was too much emotion. You're right, you're right, that was too much emotion. No, water. So Piper and Phoebe try to save Mrs. Johnson, but Sam comes running up and is like, No, don't, she's a demon now. Yeah, that's, that's just a corpse. It's a corpse filled with evil water that's puppeting it corpse-wise. Sam tells them that the demon can only kill people who are in the water, so maybe everyone just needs to stop going out onto the dock. It's a draw situation. It is. It is. Like, if you're that family, at a certain point, just don't go in the water anymore. The what, what, What's the name of the family? Oh, I don't remember. But, like... Yeah, the, the later Jaws movies have the sharks are actually seeking revenge. Yeah, and it's like, this is so... Just don't go in the ocean anymore. Super avoidable. Yeah, like if your brother and your mom and your dad all got eaten by sharks in different movies, just don't go in the ocean. Move to Wisconsin. I I do like this moment, though, because the sisters tell Sam, oh, we've heard about you. And he's like, look, I know everyone says that I'm just a crazy old man, but you have to believe me there's a water demon. And they're like, no, we know you are a mom's white lighter. And he's like, oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that is true. That part's true. <laughs> uh. So his uh, massive amount of internalized guilt is not mixing well with them, you know, being really mad about like, like It's it's not his fault. Like, I know, I know. I mean, 
maybe Mrs. Skylark has some family that's super pissed at you guys for not, you know, saving, saving her. her. Maybe the cop has some family who's really pissed at Prue for not using her goddamn telekinesis. I mean, they don't get all super mad at Leo for not saving Prue when she dies later. Hmm. Yeah, and Leo actually had a try. It's, it's pretty messed up that they're like, oh no, Leo can only save one person. Is it going to be Prue or his wife? They were married at that point, right? I don't right? think they were married yet. Fiance? Yeah. I thought I thought they got married because Prue's astral self nearly ruined the wedding because Ugh. she hooked up with a biker or something. Do you remember that? Isn't uh, I guess we'll see when we get there. Yeah. So. But yeah, who's Leo going to save? His long-term love interest or Prue? I mean, maybe maybe they are mad at him. Maybe that's why Piper's so mean to him for the rest of their marriage. <laughs> Point. <laughs> anyway, Sam is like, hey, I don't want you girls to die like your mother did, so just go and don't come back to the lake, and then you won't be killed by the lake demon. Yeah, like, just don't go into the lake. It's an easy it's an easy solution. Prue's like, fuck you. You weren't able to protect our mom. So we're gonna we're gonna do what it takes to kill the demon. We're gonna do what you couldn't do. And he's like, it's not really my job. It's your mom's job. Ugh. Before she died. Then he takes out memory powder. Okay, so this is this is a recurring thing for the rest of the show. I really feel like he shouldn't have access to it because he's not a white lighter anymore. But well, it's not a white lighter thing here. Here he says he got it from one of his charges. That's weird because it's definitely a white lighter thing in the rest of the show. Right, it will become a white lighter thing later. It's just like blinking, where the first time we see blinking, it's because a warlock stole the power from a witch. But then every time we see it after that, it's just an inherent warlock power. Hmm. Same thing here. Sam has the memory erasing dust that he says he got from one of his charges, but then every time we're going to see it after this, it's just going to be a thing white lighters have. So Sam uses the memory dust to wipe their memories of the past, like... 12 hours or so mm-hmm. and send them all home and he's like and you're not gonna want to go to the lake anymore Woo. he says go home and go to bed which i mean it's like noon right i mean i'm just i'm just still following up on what does Prue's day look like this day this is the second episode in a row where phoebe got, got some portion of her memory erased oh uh, yeah that can't be healthy for you no probably not so Back at the manor, the girls have no memory of what happened, except Piper has poison ivy, so that's weird. Yeah, they, uh, they kind of Sherlock out the situation. Piper goes to answer the door where neighbor Dan has come over with breakfast because he realized it's stupid for them to just talk on the phone when they could be in the same place together very, very easily. They're neighbors. Okay, so he brought over a tray of breakfast... But the tray of breakfast is two bowls of cereal and a thing of orange juice. And that cereal probably got really soggy coming over from his place to her to here. Like, at least wait until you're in the house to pour the cereal. He also... Am I being overly picky here? Eh, I mean, isn't that kind of the point of podcasts? Leo orbs in from behind the door, which has to be visible. The door has a giant... Like, I, I mean, it's like stained glass, but... <laughs> Leo orbs in from behind the door and Piper's like, hey, Dan, it's nice that you brought over breakfast or whatever, but shut up. I need to go deal with something on the other side of this door. And she closes the door in Dan's face. Yeah. And Leo's like, why are you here instead of at the lake fighting the lake demon monster? 
And they're like, what are you talking about? And he was like, oh, for crying out loud, it's it's memory dust. He used memory dust on you. And they're like, who? He's like, Sam, your mom's white lighter who got her killed. And they're like, oh, so. Yeah. So th- there was no point to us losing our memories then. I, yeah, Leo instantly fills them in on everything. Well, no, that's not true. There is a point in them losing their memories, which is that now the camp is going to open. Except... Is that, I mean, with Mrs. Johnson dead, the camp was... Who are the counselors here? Like, yeah, I feel like killing off Mrs. Johnson would just raise more problems in reopening the camp. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, so, and it established the memory dust, which is going to be important. I mean... I it, guess. It wasn't pointless, like, I... It, it was just a plot that was resolved very quickly, like them thinking that Sam was maybe a demon. So, because Piper has the poison ivy, she's not going to go back to the camp with them. She's going to stay here and be research girl while Prue and Phoebe go out to the camp. Hmm. And she, she opens the door again to tell Dan to go away. Yeah. You know, Dan is super patient. <sighs> Meanwhile, at the lake, we see a school bus filled with children arrive, and the lake monster, we see a, we see a point of view shot from the lake monster who's like, ooh, supper time! Not really much in the way of uh, counselors at this camp. I mean, maybe there are more somewhere. I don't know. Maybe they saw what happened at Camp Crystal Lake, and they're like, you know what? Maybe camps run better without counselors. Oh, God. Oh, so, okay, Phoebe and Prue's plan is to get the memory dust, use it on the campers, and just make the campers not want to go into the lake until they can deal with the demon. It's kind of more mind control dust, but okay. Yeah, at that point. Yeah. So, Prue shows up to talk to Sam, and he's like, ugh! I just used my powder on you, and it worked for, like, it gave me 12 hours reprieve. (laughs) So, Prue gives a speechy speech about how, you know, he failed to save their mom, but that doesn't mean that you stop fighting. And he's a terrible person to, like, stay here and just watch all of these people drown after their mom died and it's like well clearly he was trying to protect people yeah that's that's why he stayed there to stop other people from getting killed by the monster like i mean the point here is that it's supposed to be that he has given up being a champion for good and prue's supposed to show up and like reignite this passion inside of him so that he becomes a a hero again but I feel like he's been there at the lake trying to atone for the last 20 years. So maybe, maybe pop off his fuck dick. Fuck you, Prue. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, okay, I, 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 I do want to emphasize this is a really well-written episode. I know we're taking a lot of pot shots at like little plot holes and inconsistencies and stuff. This is a really strong episode. It's just... God, Prue comes off as so awful here, which I get it. She's mad. She finally has a place to focus her anger about her mom's death. 
I mean, although honestly, it should probably be the lake monster that drowned her, but. I don't know, maybe if Shannon Doherty had decided to show up to work this week and actually act, I would feel more compassion for Prue. Hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, you're right. We, sh- we should be clear that this isn't really a script issue. Like, no one is bringing anything. I, 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 even this moment, even this moment where Prue is attacking him for having given up and he tells her that the reason that he is still there is because he knew that someday they were going to show up to avenge their mother, kill the demon, whatever. He knew that someday they were going to show up and he had to be there to wait for them because he couldn't save their mother, so he had to save them. Yeah. That should be a powerful moment. And honestly, the guy who plays Sam does bring it. Like, um, he's not the best actor. But he has nothing to act against. Yeah, it's it's up against a brick wall, but he's like, look, I'm... I can't let you fight it. I can't watch what's left of your mother die. Yeah. And Shannon Doherty's like, fuck you. You're just going to let all those kids die, you piece of shit. Now, I forget. At this point, he doesn't know Paige exists, or he does. I honestly don't know if Patty told him about Paige. Okay. I have to think he doesn't. Yeah. Otherwise, otherwise it's real fucked up right although i mean it's not really well i mean i mean it is really fucked up but also it kind of makes sense that they wouldn't tell him given the extreme reaction that the elders have to this sort of thing that's true that's true i mean i can really see uh i can really see patty and uh grams playing it close to the vest sure sure so back at the manor, although I guess he he was he was still Patty's white lighter when she died, which was obviously after she gave birth to Paige. So no, he probably had to know, right? Oh yeah, yeah, he would have had to know, huh? I don't know. I guess we'll talk about that more in a couple of years when we get to Paige. Yeah, and then we know for sure if he knew or not. <laughs> so back at the manor, Piper is annoyed with Leo. Just to remind you from a couple weeks ago, she's annoyed with Leo because he's all business now because his only relationship with her is as a white lighter and that's not what she wants. So that's why she's annoyed with him. Yeah, they left their relationship on kind of ambiguous ground, but now he's very firmly in the camp of, okay, look, we can't date. Well, I mean, they definitively cut it off when she finally started hooking up with neighbor Dan. Hmm. That didn't really happen on screen, though, did it? It was just like she was hooking up with neighbor Dan, and then when Leo showed up, she's like, I'm with him now. No, no, they definitively called it off at the end of one of the episodes, because then she goes to P3 and sees neighbor Dan and is like, no, I'm free to be with you now. Hmm. Yeah. But, you know, clearly not really, because he's still there all the time. Yeah, and she's she's still clearly into him, like... Well, I mean, this is what happens when you date someone at work. Hmm. That's just what happens. Speaking of. She asks if he can heal her poison ivy, and he's like, uh, I'm sorry, I can only heal, uh, what, is this the first time we really get the elders called the elders? You know, I think it might be. Yeah. So. He can only heal what the elders let him heal. Yes. So, Piper goes to do laundry, and she finds in the clothes she was wearing yesterday, the letters that she picked up from sam's cabin 
the letters that Patty had written to Sam. Okay, so actually, I guess I guess Sam could have feasibly missed her pregnancy because the letters are about how the elders keep on sending Sam to be, you know, to protect other people, how she keeps on not seeing him for these wide gaps of time, how much she misses him, and Piper figures out, oh, you... Sam and Sam and my mom were were in a relationship. They were having a thing, which this this is so convenient for when they need to replace an actress later. Yeah, right. Like, this worked out so well. Uh, so back at the camp, Phoebe is trying to get the kids to not swim. Yeah, she's trying to get them to be indoor kids, and they're they're not having it. But then Sam shows up and is like, "It's okay, I uh." I, I have memory powder instead. God, that's... Ugh. Anyway, then Prue takes a call from Jack, who's like, Hey, I don't know where you are, but let's conference in that client that I'm working with. Um, yeah, there's a Japanese businessman who's interested in something, something, contract with Buckland, something, something. He wants them to acquire a horse from the World's Fair for him. From a carousel horse from the World's Fair. Yeah. And Jack starts talking to him in Japanese, which Prue does not speak, and thus cutting Prue out of the conversation, which is such a dick move. But Maybe learn Japanese, Prue. Come on, how serious are you about auction housing? As we will see later this season, not very. Right. And then Prue gets mad at Jack for sniping the sale from her, and he's all like, um, you wound me. I'm totally putting you down as the salesperson so that you get the commission. Also, you didn't show up to work today. Or the day before! Like, I'm sorry that one of us is being a halfway competent professional. God, he's so smarmy that I can't support him, but you're right when you look at it from his point of view. What the hell? He really is the Frank Grimes of this show, isn't he? Yes. Oh, God. Or, um... The, the jerk guy from Ghostbusters? Yes, uh, uh, Pecker. Uh, Walter Peck. Walter Peck. Where it's like, yeah, you know what? Actually, it probably is a bad idea for these four randos to go running around with nuclear reactors on their backs. Yeah. And, and you know what? He's right. It was a bad idea. If flipping one switch unleashes Armageddon in New York City, then yeah, it should definitely be looked at by regulators. I I saw this thing that kind of, it didn't ruin Ghostbusters for me because honestly I was never super invested in Ghostbusters as a franchise. But there was an article, I think it was on Cracked a few years back. About how Ghostbusters is just like a libertarian wet dream. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's all about a it's all about how great it is to have a service which should be public privatized and how, you know, the EPA are the bad guys and, you know, big government bad, small business good. Yeah. Except yeah. we see how that works out in the seat. Well, you know. I, I I like Ghostbusters, but it doesn't that doesn't uh change the facts there. I mean, it, it was an it was a it was it, the 80s. It, it was the 80s. It was the 80s. It's it's a Reagan movie. Nonetheless, I still quite like it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's no Ghostbusters 2016. Ghostbusters answer the call? Hmm. Yeah. You know, the movie where, you know, the Ghostbusters actually do stuff that isn't just standing and pointing at things. 
Well, I mean, the original Ghostbusters is fine, but does it have Kate McKinnon licking that gun? No, it does not. So, dear God, I, I honestly, there are probably parts of Ghostbusters 2016 that won't work as well on a rewatch. Okay. I feel like we kind of benefited from watching it in a crowded theater with a lot of people who were as into it as we were at the time. I've seen it three times. I saw it twice in the theaters and I saw it once on, on DVD and I liked it all three times, so. I liked it the other time we saw it too, but like the the whole ad-libbing about the soup thing, there, there are some ad-lib sequences that really don't land. Okay. But I feel like that's more of a problem with latter comedies where they're like, we've got a bunch of funny people. Let's just let them go for a while on mm-hmm. the, on their own riffs and let's not cut any of it. Yeah. Well, we saw it. We saw it opening night together at the Baghdad Theater here in town. Oh, it's such a good theater. Yes, but it's like an old movie house. And then the sequence at the end, the final fight sequence at the end, I thought this would be awesome in the D-Box seats. Yes. So I went by myself the next night to a theater in town that has these like seats that like move and shake along with the movie and it was amazing it's the only time i've ever watched a movie in those seats and it was so worth it well a fun trick for if we ever get to go to the movies again. i know i was gonna say i miss the movies so much but you can more or less get the D-Box experience if you get the seats behind the D-Box. Uh, it's I've, not quite the same. I've sat behind them, and now I have sat in them, and no, you gotta sit in them. I'm just saying you can get an adjacent experience by sitting behind them. Okay, well, only for, like, the big action sequences. Like, when there were jump scares, the seats just kind of, like, did a little jump along with the jump scare, and it it enhanced the experience. I know you don't like jump scares, so that might not be your jam. Mm, yeah. But our point is, the scene where Holtzman kicks off those ghosts' asses is amazing. Yes. It is cooler than anything that happened in the original Ghostbusters movie. And I think our... Sorry, fans of the original Ghostbusters movie. <laughs> of which I am one, by the way. I am a big fan of the original Ghostbusters movie. And you know what? Ghostbusters 2, even. I like Ghostbusters 2. It has its moments. It's weird that she completely changed careers in between movies, but... Eh. Speaking of Prue and Charmed. Oh, I think our secondary point is I miss going to the movies so much. God, yes. But she was like like a cellist in the first movie, right? Yeah. She was like a cellist in the first movie, and then in the second movie, she's an art historian? No, no, she has, she's working on restoring paintings for, uh, I don't remember if it's the Metropolitan Museum of Art or if it's just like a New York museum. But she's training to do that. So she's switched careers, but it's not like she's magically at the top of a career. She's just starting out. Hmm. Also, she had a baby. Yeah. Whose baby is that? Uh, I think it's clearly Venkman's. Hmm. But the point is that she had to do... The point is that she had to switch to a job that had more normal hours than working as a musician. Because she has a kid now. Hmm. I believe that. I buy that. She's yeah. a single mom. Venkman. How is she not in the cartoon? I wasn't I wasn't a huge fan of the cartoon because I feel like I kind of missed the window on that. Uh-huh. Age-wise. But like she wasn't in the cartoon, right? Like Nope, she's not. Why? She was a major character in the movie. Well, I I think 
think the cartoon they wanted to just avoid the concept of romance hmm, fair i mean janine was in it but yeah but janine doesn't have a romantic interest yeah. in the cartoon yeah she's she's into um harold ramus's character in i mean it, it, in the cartoon it's in... not a relationship though yeah no she she wants to date him and he's science guy yeah but uh you know they gave him blonde hair so they wouldn't have to pay harold ramus likeness rights i am aware of that yep yep i am aware of that charmed so uh so prue and sam run up to the kids and use the memory dust to make them all play inside and leo orbs in with piper and there was a scene we kind of there was a bit in the scene that we kind of skipped over where leo you know is like okay we need to get you to the lake and piper's like well it's gonna take forever to drive there and he's like well why don't i orb you and she's like you can do that and he's like we're already breaking some of the rules and she's like oh oh but the reason they need to get to the lake so quickly is because it's apparently relevant information that sam was in love with their mother and i'm sorry if you didn't pick that up from the fact that he's devastated, clipped his wings, and hasn't left the lake since she died, I don't know what this new information is going to give you. Also, like, Piper, Piper's, like, she feels, like, disoriented and sick, and she's like, God, I never want to orb ever again. It's kind of weird that orbing with someone is such a big deal here when it never is again for the rest of the show. It's, like, basically how they get around all the time. Yeah, that's true. Leo's basically the magic school bus. Oh. So. Also, God, this just really makes it clear how much Piper should have been the core part of this episode. Because the point here is when they let the sisters know, when all the sisters now know that Sam was in love with Patty, with their mother. And vice versa. And vice versa. We learn that she had a plan for killing the demon, but at the last moment she froze because her attention was divided because she was trying to protect Sam, and then she failed. And yes, this should be Piper's story because this should be Piper's parallel with why she can't be with Leo. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because there's a lot of parallels being drawn between Leo and Piper's situation and Sam and Patty's situation. Also, Patty shouldn't have froze because Sam's a white lighter and probably can't drown. Right? He'd have been fine. He's already a dead guy, isn't he? Yeah. Like, the only thing that can kill white lighters, I'm pretty sure... I mean, Leo gets knocked out a lot by other stuff, but I'm fairly certain the only thing deadly to white lighters is the dark lighter venom arrow things. Yeah, yeah. And later, PMS werewolves. So, basically, Phoebe now is going to get a premonition off of sam a past premonition otherwise known as a memory yeah because sam's like your mom did have a plan for killing the uh the demon but i don't know what it was and this is another episode where phoebe's powers are way more powerful and specific than they tend to be later well if she focuses hard we know that she can direct them and mm. it's just that she doesn't usually do that I, definitely I, I not later yeah i don't have an issue with that so phoebe gets the past munition and remembers their mom grabbing a car battery before she got distracted by sam and drowned well it was apparently like a power box that she had attached jumper cables to down on the dock and mm. yeah that makes sense. It's a water demon. She was going to electrocute it. 
but then she got distracted by Sam and Phoebe felt her drown, which I feel like she shouldn't have felt. Like, she was feeling the memory from Patty's point of view, but shouldn't she have been feeling it from Sam's point of view? That's eh, magic, whatever. <laughs> it's, a witch did it. I feel like a lot of Phoebe's powers expansions tend to screw her over. How so? Oh, you mean by, like, making her feel her mother's death? Yeah. Yeah. And, like, in a later episode, when she psychically connects to that guy who's, like, trapped in that old west town that keeps repeating itself, Mm -hmm. like, all of the physical effects of his death keep on showing up on her. Oh, yeah. For that episode and that episode only, but... So, they decide that they're going to do the same plan, but the person with telekinetic powers should be the one doing it. And that means that Prue has to walk down to the end of the dock, which, as we've established, she can't do. But she's going to because, you know, demon fighting. Yeah. Yeah. This time it's not going to be the witch that freezes. It's going to be the witch that moves things. Which is, like, levels of irony because it has, in fact, this whole episode been Prue who has been freezing. Uh, See? It's like a whole... It's a thing. Leo tries to have a conversation with Sam where he's like, so, clipping your wings to be with a mortal woman. How'd that work out? Yes? No? I don't know. Advice? Well, he did it after she died, so... Yeah, I know, but... Like... We're, we're still supposed to be getting sort of a, uh, an idea that, oh, maybe Leo can clip his wings and be with Piper, even though he's already offered to do that, but whatever. So, Sam walks Prue out onto the dock, and he gets the, uh voltage thing set up for her which i guess it's been sitting there for all those years maybe get a new one might not be good anymore i don't know i i don't really know a lot about docks i I don't know if they have power boxes at the end of them i feel like they don't whatever it doesn't matter well i I think i i I think uh patty set it up to kill oh i i thought she just hooked up jumper cables i assumed the box like was there for dock reasons Mm, charging up motorboats maybe Oh, no, yeah. They, they probably run off gas, though. Maybe. Or maybe it's like cars where they've got batteries and they've got gas. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, the point is that the water demon rises up and it comes from behind Prue. So Sam gets between Prue and the water demon. And, like, this is the CGI water demon. So it's, like, massive and it's huge and it, like, moves up and takes over Sam's body. Yeah, it envelops him and then it like goes into him and he grabs the jumper cables and he's like, okay, do it, Prue. And Prue flips the switch. With her telekinesis. Really doesn't feel like the sort of thing you need a telekinesis for, but fine. And Sam is fried. He's dying. Leo tries to heal him, but uh, the elders won't let him because they're the worst people ever. What a dick move on the elders' part. (laughs) The elders are like, nope. I mean, to be fair, this is supposed to be a sweet moment because he's like, no, I'm going to go and join Patty. And then we see her ghost and we see him go off with her ghost because, like, now he's at peace. And now that he has avenged her death, he can, like, actually go and be with her. And we know that ghosts basically are just... Living, yeah so i mean it kind of sucks for patty that she's like young patty but he's old sam forever well i mean he's not necessarily old sam forever maybe he can make himself young again mm. also maybe he's looked like old sam the whole time that he's been her white lighter no we saw a different actor playing him in the flashback oh did we i was trying to remember okay yeah also he tells leo hey look like i know it sucked for me but 
really put in the effort, dude. Like, it, love is worth it. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean... I do like that the girls can't see the ghost of, uh, of their mom. Because yes. normally they can. But I think only Leo can see her. Uh, Sam can Sam can see her as he's dying, but the yeah. girls can't because she's not there for them at this point. She's there for Sam. But I think Leo can see her and Sam's ghost go off with her. Yeah, because he's an angel, so. But honestly, I feel like it's something Sam showed him. Mm. Yeah, I know that makes sense. Because Sam's like, no, look, I know it didn't work out for me, but you have this chance also fuck the elders they wouldn't let you heal me i mean you could look at it as the elders are are making sam pass on because he has earned his reward yeah like leo specifically says that he can't heal sam because it's his time so which the next day at buckland's also just for the record the elders don't let sam stay dead this is not the last time we see Sam in this show. That's true. That's true. Yeah, the elders are dicks. I don't know why I was defending them. They're dicks. <laughs> so, um... Pru shows up at work in, 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 a, in a midriff-bearing cardigan of which she has buttoned a single button. Yeah, it's... <laughs> it's. I, I think it might be a new low in work inappropriate level... Uh, like stuff you can't wear to uh, it's so cleavagey and so torso bearing -y. i i don't i can't imagine being comfortable wearing this in public and i i'm not trying to body shame or anything it just doesn't seem like the sort of thing one would be comfortable in i mean if i had that body i would wear that in public yeah but i would be really uncomfortable wearing that to work like sometimes i go to work not anymore you know pandemic but in the in the before times sometimes i would go to work and a top would be a little lower cut than i realized i'd realize i was showing a little more cleavage than i meant to and i'd just be uncomfortable all day and you know what good on prue just letting it all hang out well until jack showed up she was the only one making money for the company so yeah so speaking of jack gives her the paperwork from the sale he made and she's like wait you actually did list me as the sales agent and let me have the commission. And he's like, yeah, because you were the one who started it and I just wrapped everything up because you didn't come into work for two days for some reason. So she will go out to dinner with him now, I guess. Also, I'm rich already and I basically just took this job as an excuse to hit on you. Yeah. And, um... So, but I'm sorry I interrupted you. They're, they, they're, they're going to go out on a date. Yeah, they're going to go to dinner. Because everyone learned a valuable lesson about love or something. Yes. Back in the manor, Phoebe is gluing the letters into a scrapbook because that's definitely something you scrapbook. The letters that your mother wrote to her lover who is not your father. Adultery! I... Hmm. Whatever. Victor sucks. Yeah, I was gonna say we haven't gotten the good Victor yet, so we're still at the bad Victor, I guess. Yeah. So, Leo pops in in a 90s-ass sweater, which I do like. I would wear that sweater. Hmm. It's like two earth tones separated by like a white line with a black line inside it. Yeah, no, I you do like those color-blocked sweaters. Yeah. And he and Piper have like a loaded moment where they realize that they decided they can't be together, but I don't know. 
Sam and Sam and Patty tried to make it work. So maybe maybe if they loved each other as much as your mother's white lighter and your mother loved each other, they would be able to make it work. That's really bad reasoning. Their love explicitly got Patty killed. I mean, that's a good point. I guess that's a good point. I just it's like when you see someone do something that you thought couldn't be done and you're like, oh, maybe it's me. Maybe I'm the problem. Leo kind of takes it in a douchey direction, though, where he's like, hey, look, you know how your parents got divorced because your dad couldn't handle your mom being a witch? How do you think Dan's going to take it? Do you think you could even tell him who you really are? Like, you can be your real self around me. Can you be your real self around Dan? You know who's the real dick here? Who? The elders. Yes. Because the elders are the ones that won't let her tell Dan, and also the ones that won't let her date Leo. Yeah, who's she supposed <laughs> to date? I mean, I guess they let, uh... I, I guess they probably let Patty tell Victor. I mean, Victor knew. Yeah, I, mean, I guess eventually you get, like, phased into the knowledge or something. I bet it's after you get married, or after you have kids, after you've, like spread out the witch gene pool a little bit because remember um you remember the the kid who had psychokinetic powers whose mom was a witch Mm -hmm, i remember like she didn't tell her husband until the kid until their kid was older like until his powers were about to manifest yeah that makes sense that 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 seems like the time that the elders would relent so leo this show could have such a good supporting cast if it just kept some of these one-shot characters around i know i know like if they had him and like aviva as reoccurring characters in the show oh that would be great but leo's like look just think about what you want the future to be think about your relationship with dan and think about our relationship and then he orbs off and then dan's like hi i'm here now i'm at the back door because i never can get through that front door except all of those times that i did he brought her another tray with cereal on it dude stop with the cereal (laughs) and piper like closes the door and she gazes off after where leo orbed and that's the end of the episode yeah Okay, so this is a really good episode, except for the fact that it's focused on Shannon Doherty, who's not acting anymore. Like, it's a really good episode, except for the one big thing that sucks about it. And, okay, there's a thing I feel like we kind of skipped over earlier. We mentioned it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Where Prue uh, talks about how she doesn't like being compared to their mom because their mom died young and she was alone and loveless when she died and all of that stuff should have gone to piper because there are all of these way stronger parallels between piper and her mom and i mean they even tried to bring it in at the end with leo bringing up the parallels yeah this should have been a piper episode i feel like this could be a classic episode if it was a piper episode and as is, it's still, again, one of the stronger episodes of Charmed. I mean, it's fine. I feel like we had kind of a good run, and this one just didn't really do it for me. Eh, I mean... It was fine. I, I, I wonder what we're going to have next week. Actually, kind of leads me into wanting to look and see what next week's episode is. Oh, I have some really bad news for you. Oh? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Heartbreak City. A demon named Rozzy steals Cupid's ring, which he uses to bring couples together. Now Cupid must convince the Hallowells to help him get it back before Drazzy breaks all of the relationships. 
thus killing Cupid. Okay, honestly, I am really excited to talk about that. Okay, who's ready for a whole bunch of dubious consent? Because this is like dubious consent the episode. Also, this sets up Phoebe's endgame love interest. (laughs) Oh my goodness. God, a guy who's, I think, outside of Charmed, most famous role. Well, I think he was a soap opera guy. But he was in that, um, what's her face? That lady who killed all those children. The anti-vaxxer lady. Jenny McCarthy? Yeah, he was in that Jenny McCarthy movie as a love interest of hers who enjoys sticking fish up his rear end. Oh my. So that was his second highest profile thing outside of, I think he was on a soap opera for a really long time. No, no, we're talking about Cole, right? No, Phoebe's final love interest, yeah. But he's not really introduced here. No, he's not introduced here, but he's set up here. Gotcha. Because he's a he's a he's a cupid, you see. Coop. Coop doesn't even sound like cute. It should be cube. <laughs> Hi, I'm cube. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm cube. I mean, we're gonna have a lot to say about coop. We're gonna have just just so much to say about coop. God, um, she should have ended up with Cole. I mean, he killed people, but he wasn't coop. Should we do our segments? Yes. Oh, okay. So, uh, much like the Charmed Ones, we have our own power of three. Uh, And let's tap into our first power, Premonition, where we look into the past, present, and future and see which guest stars in this episode were, you know, in other things. Okay, so we don't really have anything. Last week, we had such an embarrassment of riches as we, far as... Yeah, we had Misha Collins. We had uh, Dean Norris, right? Yeah, and, and that was... So, to make up for it, uh, this week we have Sam, who's played by Scott Jack, and the... You'll know him from stuff. He, he's he been in, like, one episode of everything. He's one of those guys. Well, and the woman who runs the camp, Mrs. Johnson, who's played by Pat Crowley, and she's also one of those players... They're both the kind of just really steady, regular day players who do one role on every procedural you've ever seen. Yeah, I used to follow a couple actors like that when I was younger, but then it got kind of depressing, so I stopped. I mean... If you get steady work. Yeah. You don't have to be famous to be happy and successful in, you know, as as an actress or actor. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's the, the premonition is kind of weak this week, but that's okay. So time freeze, I, I have a couple, but let, let's, uh, let's hit you. Let's... Uh, so time freeze is what really feels like. What very specifically dates an episode. Um, I don't actually have a time freeze this week. Okay. So I have two. Okay. I mean, one of them's kind of a gimme for this sort of thing. The, the fashion Phoebe wears this shirt that looks like it was made out of a couch cushion, which does feel very late 90s to me. She does have a hairstyle at the end where she has like an updo with flowers in it that is definitely from the Delia catalog. And the second thing, I feel like this is a very specifically dated thing we may have already touched on in this segment before, but the fact that Prue's business deal is with Japanese businessmen. Oh, I don't know that we have talked about that. But that was definitely a thing in the late 90s. Yeah, that was definitely a pop culture thing. Yeah, where, yeah. I don't know, people were afraid that Japanese businessmen were buying up all of our stuff. 
suppose just that we saw Japan as the epitome of business. Mm. So that was, you know, if it was serious business, it was with the Japanese. Yeah. If if a, if a character in a sitcom's company was being sold, it was being sold to a Japanese business. If uh, you remember there were, or maybe you don't, I don't know how much uh, Just Shoot Me you saw. I watched like all of it. I remember like none of it. It was not a memorable show, but like whenever when uh what's her face the one good actress on that wendy malik when wendy malik's uh wendy malik was auctioning off old mementos from her supermodel days and a japanese businessman bought all of it It, it's a thing Mm. you see it and stuff in the simpsons actually in uh, the episode where germans buy the power plant yeah it was originally japanese businessmen were buying the power plant but they uh, changed it because they thought it was kind of a stereotypical thing huh Interesting that the Simpsons decided that. I mean, Matt Groening was very famously, he was a Portland hippie. He was aggressively PC back in the days, which is probably why the Simpsons has not entirely, but mostly aged better than a lot of shows from that general era. Sometimes he lost to those conversations, though. Yeah, no, he was very, very firm on them not making Apu an Indian character. He was very firm on them being like, look, there's going to be a convenience store character. Don't make him Indian. Don't make him this stereotype. And then uh, Hank Azaria did the impression and the writers loved it, so they put it in anyway. Ugh. Which, God. Yep. Hank Azaria, master of accents. To steal a bit from Talking Simpsons. But uh, I guess that'll about do it for Time Freeze. And that'll take us to the the last segment telekinesis what if anything genuinely moved you this episode i mean that's the thing so much should have but so didn't. much should have but didn't i mean it, it it's appropriate right it's appropriate that in an episode where the plot is that prue the sister who has telekinesis freezes and isn't able to do it nothing was able to move me right the flashback to her discovering her mom dead in the water that should have made me cry nope nothing nothing all of the conversations with sam sam finally getting his reward and getting to go off with patty the whole trauma with piper and leo not be all of these things should have moved me nothing nothing moved me okay we kind of skipped over it while we were talking about the episode but i do want to bring it up here Patty sent Sam away for this mission because she didn't want to be distracted. Yes. But she let her kids go to the camp next to the lake. Oh no, my boyfriend will distract me, but my kids can be right over there. Who gives a shit? I think that her kids being at the camp was the reason she became aware of the monster. Mm. I think they were already there. I think that's how it went down. I would have sent my children home if I knew there was a deal. (laughs) I mean... Being with Grams, I, I I know it's sort of a lateral move, but oh, <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, I I didn't super have anything. Something got me not like emotionally, not like really emotionally. But Leo's speech to Piper at the end, where he tells her like, "Look, be with Dan if you want, but you're never going to be able to have a real relationship with someone who's not in your world. Mm. It got me. Leo comes off as kind of a jerk in it, but he's also 
He's not wrong. He's not wrong. Like, he is telling her the truth. She can't have a normal boyfriend. She can't date a mortal guy. Mm-hmm. This is this is what happened to Patty. This is what happened to Grams multiple times. Like, if you're going to live in this world, you have to date someone who's in the world with you. That makes sense, yeah. I mean, only one character ever gets a... I mean, only one character ends up with the human love interest. And it's Paige, who the char- who the show does not care about. Yeah, I mean, it, Paige is... Paige gets kind of screwed over when it comes to love interests, so... Henry's fine. Henry's fine. Yeah. He's, he's fine. But it's it's not really... He's better than Coop. <laughs> That's true. It's just the lowest bar on earth. But I guess that'll about do it, though. I guess that will do it for us this week. Our show is partially listener-supported. If you want to be one of those supporters, you should head over to our website, www.welcometotelevision.net, and click on our Patreon link. We'd like to thank our current $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Sam, Cassidy, Alex, Alicia, Ryan, Maracruz, Rosa, Javier, Benjamin, Kyle, and Kate. If you'd like to support the show in other ways, you could always rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find the show. If you want to talk about this episode, or any episode, or any episode of any television show, you should join our Facebook group, Welcome to Television. We can also be contacted at I Love TV Zines on Twitter, or at I Love Television Zines at gmail.com. So until next time, I'm Tina. And I'm Max. And this is Welcome to the Hallowell Manor. Mm-hmm.